Psalm 66 says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. That is what we're gonna do today. We're just gonna worship the Lord. He is worthy. Come on. Come on, we say. This is the day you made. So I'll rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad in it. This is where I believe that you are more than enough, more than enough for me. You say you are faithful. You are faithful to your promise. You are strong when I am weak. When I'm standing in your presence, I have everything I need. Come on, lift your voice. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh my soul, bless His name. All that is within me, say the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Jesus, come with me. You are worthy of all, worthy of all my praise. You are faithful to your promise. You are strong when I am weak. When I'm standing in your presence, I have everything. Come on, sing it up. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hey.
this place When I need a drink from the well And when my heart is crushing overwhelmed When I look and all I see is chaos around me I'll remember you Yes, when I fought and seen the victory won When at last the miracle has come When I look and all I see is favor around me I'll remember you Come on, can we sing with the rising? With the rising of the sun I'll sing your praise Even when my days are done I'll sing your praise And the sowing of the reaping still the same You've always been good to me. You are good and you never change, God. So whether there's abundance and success, even in my failure and regret, and brings my soul has an anchor I'll remember you with the rising of the sun I'll sing your praise even when my days are done I'll sing your praise in the sowing on the reaping still the same
I just feel as we round off the end of this fast. You know, we've been diving together into Psalm 23, and I feel like we just need to take a second here, even in the middle of our service, just to meditate on that just a little bit more. So it's okay, whatever that looks like for you, for you who have phones or even old school Bibles, you can crack that open if you want to read it with us, but we're just going to sing through it and just meditate it on a little bit. If you catch along with the words we're singing, that's all right. If you just want to take it in, that's okay too, but... I just feel like we just need to sit here for a moment. So that's what we're going to do. Say thank you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need in him. Mountain or valley, you'll be standing right here with me. Gone before and prepared a feast for me and the table of my enemies. So, Lord, is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. sing that out together as a church here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Every good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that. Your word says we'll lack no good thing when we're walking with our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, even in the valley, I have no need. Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. We're just going to keep seeing that, but let's start seeing it from a place of faith. Come on. The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I have With your daily portion, he is the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You're my everything, oh God, you are the Lord is my shepherd.
can have confidence in Him. He's my provider. He's making ways for me in the wilderness. His rod and staff comfort me. Surely goodness, surely mercy will pursue me all my days. Surely goodness, surely mercy will pursue me all my days. Just start to sing that over yourself. This is his promise. Surely goodness, surely raise our hands right now just out of a place of surrender there's nothing magical that happens but I just feel like there is a beauty and there is a joy in surrender so whatever you have need of right now we're just going to sing that again but we're going to hand it over to him here you go Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need every good thing comes from him Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. We say thank you. Inspire yourselves, the Lord.
Safe with you, I 
Let us know you're here, but more importantly, this is the place to get all the information you need about what is going on around Northwoods, all the happenings that are coming up. You can see right there, there are a list of several opportunities, and if you click on the box of anything you want more information about, we're going to email you with links and information so that you can get connected. So be sure and take that out and check out what's going on. Well, you know, Valentine's Day is just a couple of weeks away. And guys, this is your opportunity to woo that little lady in your life. So if you don't already have your weekend away planned or restaurant reservations, or if you're like us when we had little kids, no childcare, we've got you covered. You can get a Valentine's date night in a box. We've put together a special little box with all the things you need to have a nice romantic evening with your loved one. Now you can pick up the box February 11th, 13th, or 14th from 8.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Here's the deal though. You have to have it, you have to register for your box by January 31st. That's Wednesday. So you only have like three days. So click on that little box there and get your box ordered so you're ready to go for Valentine's. Now let's see how well my husband pays attention when I'm doing announcements, right? <laughs> All right, how many of you guys have been on a mission trip? Well, there's a handful of us. You know, mission trips are so impactful. They impact not only your life, but the lives of the people that you're serving. And if you've ever considered going on a mission trip, but you just have no idea how to go about it, or you've been on several mission trips and you're ready for another one, we wanna invite you to a meeting that our mission team is having today at 12.30, where they're gonna go over all of our upcoming summer mission trips. You'll learn about the different places they're going and how to get involved. So check it out, it's downstairs in our Northwood School of Ministry, and it's at 12.30 after the second service. So go ahead and go and find out how you can serve people around the world. Well, you know, it's because of your continued faithful giving that we are able to impact so many people around the world. And I know we say it all the time, but again, thank you. Thank you for making such a difference in the world. Now, if you've come today and you're ready to give, you can do that by dropping it in any of the drop boxes located around the building. You can go to the website, you can use the app, or you can just text to the number on the screen. However you choose to do that, Again, thank you. All right, I have one last thing, but it's an important one. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, February 4th. So exciting. Now, if you said yes to Jesus at the Christmas production, or maybe you said yes to Jesus years ago, and you've never taken that next step, this Sunday is for you. This is your opportunity to make a public declaration of your relationship with Jesus. It's like going on Facebook and changing your relationship status. I am into Jesus. So if you've never done that, we wanna invite you to sign up and take that next step in your walk with Jesus. It'll be next Sunday after or be during both services. So click on the box in your connection card or go to the website and get registered. Now, if you have kids who are asking questions about baptism and they're starting to think, hey, I think I wanna do that, our Discovery Land team is having a baptism class after each service today. All you need to do is go let them know, hey, we're interested, go to one of the, the desks and they'll show you right where to go. 
They'll teach you and your child all about baptism and why it's such an important part of their walk with Jesus. So go get it, go check out, and they'll also help you get registered. So now go ahead and direct your attention to the screens and learn a little bit more about what baptism at Northwoods is all about. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. I did it because I just wanted to extend my faith in him and take the step closer to him. When you follow God's prompting and you follow what he's telling you to do, there's so much power behind it because he's with you and all these wonderful blessings happen that you don't even think that are gonna happen. There might be some here today who you came to watch someone in your family get baptized. But as you're sitting and listening today, you're realizing the Lord's calling me to get baptized today. They don't really tell you, I mean, they say he makes all things new, but they don't really explain what that does to you after being just submerged in a tub of water, how crazy and powerful that is to come back out and realize like you are worthy. Every fear that I had, had been erased and now I'm on the path that God had planned for me. Do not walk away from this moment. All right, so one week away from Baptism Sunday, looking forward to next Sunday. And it's great to be together today. And listen, I just wanna just, as kind of just real quick, talk about baptism for a second. So we're one week away and there are some of you who will, there are some people who get spontaneously baptized on the day that it happens, but there are some of you who are planning already to get baptized. You have pre-registered. And let me just say this to you if you've pre-registered or you're planning. Listen, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, yes, baptism is your next step. But baptism is not just for you because baptism really is a picture of the gospel. It symbolizes you identifying with Jesus Christ in his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're getting baptized next week, you are planning to get baptized, I wanna encourage you to send a text to members of your family, friends, coworkers, coworkers, and invite them to come and be with you as you celebrate next Sunday. That's Going to a baptism is sometimes people will be open to an invite to say, okay, I'll come celebrate with you. And what's happening when they're seeing you get baptized is it's, they are seeing a picture of the gospel. So again, it's a really small thing to invite a friend, but it could have a really large impact in their life. And I don't even care if you take out your phone right now and text them. It's all good. But let's just, again, be thinking about who can you invite to come with you uh, as you get baptized next Sunday. Now today, we close out a refocus series and the fast. This is the last day of the fast. And this morning I woke up and told my wife, I said, I'm putting on a suit and a tie. I'm celebrating because this is the last day. And I was telling my brother down here, I was like, help me remember the verse again that weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There had been some weeping over the last 21 days, but I'm here to tell you I got joy down in my heart today because we're coming to the end of the fast and it is a celebration. I'm dressing up like I'm going to a dinner tonight. So fast is coming to an end, but I wanted to say this to you, whether you fasted three days, whether you fasted 10 days, 21 days, however you did it, it was a sacrifice that you made. You paid a price. 
And whatever, whatever you did over this last 21 days, I want to let you know that the Lord sees it, and he's proud of you. And I'm proud of you. You're planting seeds in this fast. And I would just say this to you if, as a reminder. If you haven't eaten much during this fast, be slow in how you break the fast. If you drank only water and you know, juice for 21 days, don't go head out to Longhorn after this service and order the 22-ounce porterhouse. It ain't going to go good for you. All right, so be wise in how you break your fast. And I would also encourage you this coming week, as we come to the end of the fast, to set some time aside to stop, to pause, and reflect on what the Lord has been teaching you over these last 21 days. You know, often I've found that I'm just, I'm the type of guy, it's like I'm just get one thing done, go to the next. And I just, and we can just move on without ever stopping to reflect on what the Lord might have been teaching us. So I want to encourage you to stop, pause, and reflect this week before you just move on out of the fast and ask questions like, you know, what has the Lord been teaching me over these last 21 days? Maybe even sit down with a friend and just and begin to ask, like, what, you know, what are some of the things the Lord's been teaching you during the fast? Are there any changes? Another question you might ask, are there any changes in my life I need to make from here on out? So again, it's, I'm excited that the fast, we're, we, we've made it through, here we are, but let's not just blow past it now. Let's make sure we take time to stop and to reflect on what the Lord has been doing over the last 21 days. Because you know what, I'm, as I look back over the last 21 days, I, there have been some amazing things the Lord's done in my life. And it's, it was an exciting time, but I'm also glad it's over. But again, I want to reflect on what the Lord has been doing. So make sure you take some time this week. You know, when I first got married, Michaela and I rented a few different homes. We, we rented a home first, and then we were in a, a duplex, and then we rented a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And then one day we decided, it was somewhere around, I think it was 2011, 2012, hey, let's, let's, instead of renting, let's, let's, like, let's see if we can purchase a home. Now, I didn't grow up like watching HGTV and all this stuff, so I knew very little about you know purchasing a home, all the stuff that goes along with it. So I just started hopping, hopping on you know uh, realtor web, you know uh, you know Zillow things like this, and I start looking at all the homes I like. And one of the things I quickly realized is that all the homes that I liked, I couldn't afford. And then I realized there's a difference. They have phrases for this. There's a difference between a starter home and a forever home. Starter home is, you know, a, a home that's going to have a lower price point. It's really a stepping stone. It's going to have smaller square footage. Might have a lot of updates and repairs that need to be done. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is kind of where you start. And this is, I was thinking forever home, but starter homes where we needed to start. And so we ended up getting a starter home. It was a little ranch. And you felt like you were, when you walked inside, you got teleported to 1950. But um, so that's where we started but then there are forever homes. Now, forever homes can certainly require work too. But when we think about, when we use the phrase forever home, we're talking about a home that we can envision ourselves being in for a long time. It's got everything we want. You know, it might have a, maybe for you, it's a, it's a bigger kitchen where you can host a lot of people or more bedrooms, more square footage. Maybe it's a, got a large yard with a view and room to run. You know, whatever it is, there's all these things we think of when we think of a forever home. You know, there's shows on TV that are focused on taking a home, turning it into a forever home. In fact, I was just Googling this this week, and I saw there's a 
the Property Brothers have a show called Forever Home. And whether you're living in a forever home, working towards one, dreaming about one, or could care less, the reality is that each of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ have a forever home. And over the last 21 days, we've been walking through Psalm 23, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, word by word, and I hope the daily devotions have been helpful to you. And I want to just, today, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday with the devotions. And we're going to look at the very last portion of Psalm 23, verse 6, which says this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in this passage, some say that David, who wrote the psalm, has in view dwelling in the Lord's presence for the length of his days, his time on earth. That certainly could be true, but I think David had not only his days on earth in view, but was thinking beyond to eternity, thinking about his forever home. And you know, I think this passage teaches us how to think about our forever home. Ever thought about, you know, how, how should I think about my forever home in, in, in heaven? Some say, you know, don't, don't think about that because you just become so heavenly minded, you'll end up being no earthly good. But it sounds like David was thinking about it. And, you know, I, I've just found that sometimes when we, when we keep our eyes on what's, what lay ahead of us, it gives us strength and joy in the present. I remember there was a time when, uh, maybe about almost 10 years ago now, that I was leading a group of our students. We were taking a student, our, our youth ministry, to the Dominican Republic for a, uh, for a mission trip. And so our flight schedule was we're going to fly to Chicago to Miami, and then our destination is Santo Domingo. So we get up to Chicago, and of course our flight gets delayed, so now we're throwing off the next leg of our trip. We fly into Miami, we eventually get left, get to Miami, and we are running through the airport. We had like 10 minutes before the next flight left. We get there, they've shut the doors, sorry you can't get on the flight. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We have like 25, 30 people. It's not like we can just wait for the next one for an open seat. Can you please let us on? They're like, nope, cannot let you on. I'm like, great, you know, this, this is awesome. Here we are stuck in Miami. And so, you know, we're trying to rebook flights, and I, can, I, don't know what, I don't know why it took so long, but we were at the airport until two and three in the morning. Didn't have any luggage. I remember sitting out on the curb with all these students at three in the morning, and I'm like, what are we doing with our life right now? We're on a curb in Miami, and it's not like I can just like put kids in cars and say, go to this hotel. I've got to wait for a huge bus to come get us. And then they take us to some roach motel, and it, it was brutal. And I just remember thinking, what this is, what are we doing? Like, I, and I remember as we were stuck in Miami without any luggage, it's, you know, I think we got, in the air, we got into the hotel around four or five in the morning. It's like, what's the point of even sleeping? That I had to be reminded that, you know what, Miami, although it ain't going great here right now, I'm just passing through. This is not my final destination. Our final destination is still ahead of us. And so I'm going to keep my focus there. And sometimes, it's kind of like that on this earth, that there's times where it's like, what, what is going on? And it's helpful to be reminded that, you know what, on this earth, this is not our home. We're just passing through. This is not our final destination. And so I'm going to keep my eyes on where I'm headed. And so David teaches us how to think about our forever home. So I want to give you a couple of thoughts here as it pertains to 
our forever home. Because this passage shows us two thoughts that were on David's mind that should be on our mind when we think about our forever home in heaven. So here's the first thought. I can have assurance about my forever home. I can have assurance about my forever home. You know, many times throughout this fast, I've drawn your attention to what the passage doesn't say. And I think it's a helpful exercise. So notice it doesn't say I might dwell in the house of the Lord. It doesn't say I could dwell. It doesn't say I'm hoping I will dwell. Nope. David demonstrates confident assurance that he will dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, this isn't just him, you know, psyching himself up. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord, even though he's not sure. You know, when I was in fifth grade, I had made up my mind that I was going to play in the NBA. And so I went and found a basketball in my garage. I ripped off part of the cover, and on it, I wrote, I will go pro. And then I hung it up on a bulletin board in my room, and it was like, that was my reminder. I, I'm, I am going pro. Remember, I once had a science teacher that I told, I don't really have to care about science too much because I'm going to be in the NBA someday. And I remember him telling me, uh, no, you're not. And I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong, brother. Well, you know what? He, he was right, obviously. But see, I use the phrase, I'll be in the NBA. And my statement sounded like confident assurance, but really it was just a way of psyching myself up every day to go after it on the basketball court because there really were no assurances for a skinny little white kid with red hair going to the NBA. But when David says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord, he's not just psyching himself up. He's not just demonstrating wishful thinking. He seems to have full assurance that he will. And just like David could have assurance about dwelling in the house of the Lord, so can we. Again, look what the scripture says. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... What's it say? doesn't say you might. It says you will be saved. Colossians 4.12, I love this one. Paul is talking to uh, the Colossians. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greeting, greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I think he's saying fully assured about what the the will of God is, but also fully assured that you're one of his children. And then 1 John 5, 13, I love this one. He says, here's the reason I'm writing to you. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You know, many Christians at times struggle with having a confident assurance about their salvation. I've been through this before. Now, there's a biblical precedence for testing to see if we're in the faith, but that's not meant to eliminate certainty of salvation. If we've believed in Jesus Christ, surrendered our life to him through repentance, meaning turning from our sin, and faith, turning to Jesus and placing our trust in all that he accomplished for us through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be sure. We can know that we'll be with him someday. God wants us, wants you to walk in confident, confidence and assurance. And you know, often, again, this might, be, might not be the case every time, but I've found this to be true many times when I meet with people. Often I've found that the reason people sometimes struggle with doubting their salvation is not because they are not saved, but 
because they are, and the enemy is trying to gain a strategic advantage over them by sowing seeds of doubt in their mind concerning their relationship with Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfare. And in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the need to put on the armor of God so we can take our stand against the schemes of the enemy. I want you to look again what he lists. Many of you know this passage. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Again, everything was connected to the belt. It's the idea that everything in my life is going to be connected to the truth of God's word. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I like what he also said. You know, he talks about the helmet of salvation in his in 1 Thessalonians 2. I love how it says it in the New Living Translation. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Now, we could do a whole message just on the armor of God. But I want you to notice he mentions the helmet of salvation. Again, which is a reference to the assurance of our salvation. This tells us the primary place of attack in spiritual warfare. It's going to happen in your mind. And so you have to put on the helmet. And I just talked to you about a trip I took with students to the Dominican Republic. But when I was a student, I went to the Dominican Republic. And there was a time that we were working on a church. And so we were on a work site. We were, they were putting up the walls, their cinder block walls. And so I'm on this work site, and I wasn't wearing a hard hat. And so I'm out there, you know, I forget what I'm doing, working. And uh, I look up, I still remember, there was a guy that was kind of up, the, the church had kind of this big archway they were building. So this is you know, at least two stories up in the air. And there's a guy up there who's chiseling and hammering on the cinder blocks. And for whatever he was doing, a piece of cinder block broke off, fell, and landed right on top of my head. I mean, when it hit, it sounded like a bomb went off in my head. Put a big old gash on top of my head. Yeah, you know, I had to go get stitched up. And, you know, sometimes I refer back to it. If I ever say anything stupid or forget, I just say, well, that's, yeah, that's a cinder block. I got hit by a cinder block as a kid, you know, so... If you ever hear anything up here that sounds a little crazy, you just say he was hitting the head of the cinder block. But listen, I would have been a lot better off if I had had a hard hat on. And just like it's true when you're on a work site, you should wear a hard hat, so it's true when you step onto a battlefield, you should wear a helmet. We're in a battle. It's a battle that's already been won, but it's a battle nonetheless. So don't leave home without your helmet. Don't leave home without your helmet. How do you put it on? Well, it comes to speaking the promises of God over your life, declaring them. I mean, even this verse, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've said it. If, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Thank you, Lord. Like as we said in Romans, confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Thank you that I am saved. That's how you put it on. You declare the promises of God. 
And again, it's not because of her own merits, but because of Jesus' merits and what he accomplished on the cross. So when it comes to our forever home, our first thought should be, I can have assurance about my forever home. Here's the second thought David gives us. I should be joyful about my forever home. I should be joyful about my forever home. You know, in the Old Testament, this phrase, the house of the Lord, often referred to the tabernacle or the temple, the place where God's presence was centered. For example, the, the first time we see this phrase, the house of the Lord, is in Exodus, when the Lord says to the people of Israel, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So here the house of the Lord represents the tabernacle. Later when Solomon built the temple and it was dedicated, the glory of the Lord descends and it says this, the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Sometimes we speak about the church as the house of the Lord, the place where we meet. So the house of the Lord refers to the place where God's presence resides. Okay, now in one sense, the house, we house the spirit of the Lord today. He lives in us. But in another sense, we will dwell in the fullness of God's presence in the new heaven and new earth someday. I love what it says in the book of Revelation. John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And I tend to think this is what David was envisioning when he said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord because he said, forever. And, you know, Jesus also spoke about our forever home. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture this morning, but stick with me. John 14, I love this. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know, it's an amazing thought to think about the fact that right now, Jesus is preparing a room for us, preparing a place for us in our forever home. You know, my oldest daughter, Ariana, she just turned eight. And on her birthday, Michaela and I were looking back at some of the videos of her first year of life. And, and then I started, you know, thinking back to what it was like when Michaela was pregnant with Ariana. And we were preparing for Ariana's arrival. Now, we were a little over the top, as most first-time parents are. But I can remember... We were preparing everything, preparing a room for her. You know, we went out, like, how do you want to paint this room? So we went out and picked new paint, painted the room. We we're talking about how we're going to decorate it. Went out and got a crib, a changing table, painted those bright white, 
blackout curtains, you know, so there's no light coming in, you know, bookshelf with books and toys. We even had a, a wet wipe warmer. So it's like you're not startled in the middle of the night in a diaper change. That'd be similar to a, a heated toilet seat for adults. Uh, you know, we had a perfect nightlight for her. I mean, we, we had everything. Now, just in case you're wondering, by the time we got to our fourth child, it was just like, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a pack and play up in the closet. Just go throw them up there. Um, now, I'm exaggerating a little bit. We, yeah, we put a crib in his room, but not a whole lot else. Uh, he didn't get the... He didn't get the, the heated wipe warmer. But we were expectantly preparing for Ariana's arrival. And when I think about that, it brings joy to my heart to know that in a similar way, Jesus is doing the same thing for you and for me right now. He's preparing a place. He's getting the home and the room just right. And this should cause our hearts to be joyful and not trouble. And I'll give you another story. I remember several years back, Michaela and I were spending a few days in Florida. I always think about Florida a lot in the month of January. Um, we were within walking distance of the beach, and so every day we would walk to the beach, and, and our walk would take us past this giant, beautiful home right on the beach. I even have a picture of it. They'll, they'll put it up there for you. So this is the home we would walk by. I was always like, man, I would love to have a driveway that has like the, the grass in between the stones, perfectly manicured. But we'd walk by this house every day on the way to the beach. And it's beautiful. It backs right up to the beach on Siesta Key. And, and having walked past it several times, I often wondered, I wonder what it'd be like to live there you know, I, I kind of had thoughts of like, I wonder what would happen if I just walked up there, opened the door, and just walked in like I owned the place. Like, what would happen? Now, my wife kind of was like, John, you're not, you know, your wife helps you with that. But um, instead of doing that, I looked up the home online and, you know, started creeping on like Zillow and, and real estate apps and trying to see the inside of it. And, and I discovered it's called, they call it the Ask Gary Home. Because the guy who built it started a 1-800-ASK-GARY line. It's like a doctor and referral service. But, but the home is beautiful. I mean, we would walk past it, and I'd just be like, holy cow, look at this thing. But as I've thought about that, I want you to know something. Even the most breathtaking and beautiful homes here will not even come close or compare to dwelling with the Lord in his house with him. Not only will it be a place of beauty, Bible describes that, but it'll be a place of joy because in the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy. You know, the journey here on earth is not easy, but I'm telling you right now, the arrival, it'll all be worthwhile. And I found that when you keep your focus on what lies ahead in the future, it gives you joy and strength to keep going in the present. In fact, it brings us back to our word for the year. What's our word for the year? You know it? Faithful. Come on, say it one more time. Well, you got it. We're people who are faithful. And when we have our eyes on eternity, it does drive us and challenge us to be faithful here because we are people who live to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, when we get there. That's what we're living for. 
And so when we're focused on what's ahead, it causes us to say, I'm going to be faithful with my time here. And so when we think about our forever home, we should be joyful. We can have assurance about it, and we should be joyful about it. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, as we close today, you know, we've talked about being intentional to set aside time to reflect on the past 21 days. And so I want to wrap this entire kind of series up. For 21 days, we've journeyed through Psalm 23. And so I want to give you, as the fast comes to a close, I want to give you just a couple takeaways as a whole. So here's the first takeaway from this last 21 days. I want you to turn to Psalm 23 often. Turn to Psalm 23 often. In his book, God's Psychiatry, Dr. Charles Allen told the story of a man who had come to see him. This man on the outside was very successful, but inside he was in constant turmoil, had no peace of mind, worried all the time, just constant turmoil. And he'd seen many doctors and had taken many prescriptions, was on several types of pills to help, help him with this. And after meeting with him, Dr. Allen also decided he was going to prescribe him something. But what he prescribed this man was the 23rd Psalm. And he said, I want you to, 23rd Psalm, I want you to take it five times a day for the next seven days. So when you wake, when you eat breakfast, when you eat lunch, when you eat dinner, and when you go to bed, five times a day, I want you to read through it carefully and prayerfully. And then he went on to write, That prescription sounds simple, but it really isn't. The 23rd Psalm is one of the most powerful pieces of writing in existence and can do marvelous things for any person. I've suggested this to many people, and in every instance where I know it was tried, it always produced results. It can change your life in seven days. And so I just think all of us, I'm not saying you need to go home and read it five times a day. Maybe some of us might. But what I am saying is Psalm 23, all of us could benefit from turning to Psalm 23 often. As we leave this series and the fast, let's keep this psalm near and dear to our heart. So I've encouraged you to put it to memory during this fast so that you always have it with you in your heart. Make it something that you turn to often. So turn to Psalm 23 often, and here's the last takeaway. Make the Lord your shepherd always. Make the Lord your shepherd always, meaning daily, every day. Reaffirm again, Jesus, you're my shepherd. I'm following your lead today. You are the leader and the person who guides my life. You're my shepherd. I'm following you. Reaffirm that commitment every morning. You know, there's an old story involving Psalm 23. Many of you have probably heard it. I've always loved it. Stories told that at a social gathering in London, there was an actor who was asked to recite Psalm 23 with pauses, inflection, and almost a musical voice. So he did, got done, the crowd applauded, but then an aged minister stood up to recite the same passage And when he had finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Later, the actor approached the minister and said, you want to know the difference between me reciting Psalm 23 and you reciting Psalm 23? 
He said, I know the psalm, you know the shepherd. I know the psalm, you know the shepherd. And my hope is that you know both. But you know what, if you're here today and you can say, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and I have zero assurance about living with Jesus forever, that I'll dwell with him forever. I wanna help you come to know your shepherd. Maybe you've been here and you've just been exploring this church and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you've, and you've heard all about this good shepherd we've been talking about all throughout this series. He is the good shepherd and he did lay down his life for you so you could be saved from your sin. So in this moment, I want to ask everyone to stand. And with every head bowed around the room, this, this is a holy moment. If you're here and you, you have full assurance of your salvation and you know that you're, you're saved, I want you just in this moment just to begin praying that the Lord would be drawing those who do not have a relationship with him. But if you're here and you say, I have never given my life to Jesus Christ. That's something I feel the Lord leading me to today. And you desire to surrender your life to him. I wanna help you do that. I wanna help you come to know the good shepherd who laid down his life for you, who promises to lead you and guide you and take care of your every need. So if that's you, you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. You just pray this with me, you say, Jesus Christ. My good shepherd. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of the forgiveness that only you can offer. So today I turn from my sin, my self-directed way of life, and I reach out to you in faith. I place all of my trust in you. And all that you accomplished through your life, death, and resurrection. Be my savior. Be my shepherd and lead me as one of yours from this day forward. Thank you for the assurance I now have of living with you someday and walking with you from this day forward. Thank you that you're my shepherd. Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that and you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, again, we say this every time we do this, we are so proud of you. Come on, church, let's give it up for all those who surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's a, there's a celebration in heaven, even if there's one person who turns to God. So welcome to the family. We're glad you're here with us, and I want to challenge you next week as we 
going to a baptism Sunday, if you've just surrendered your life to Jesus and never been baptized, next Sunday you come and you be baptized and we'll celebrate. And if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, we'll have yes packets available on the way out. It's a Bible and some things to help you on your journey with Jesus. You can grab those on your way out. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. If you need prayer for anything, you come on down front. We'd love to pray with you. Same thing for those of you online. Hope you guys have a great day and we'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday.